Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And we are your killer couple critiquing and arguing over horror films like a couple of weirdos at the bar. So maybe we never quite enlighten you and maybe we never blow your mind. Maybe we never give birth to an alien (laughs) on air. (laughs) I don't know, but hopefully you just have a good time listening. So tonight we are continuing our three quill discussion as Chris recovers from my terrible joke. Uh, Tonight we're continuing our threequel discussion with the film Alien 3, which came out in 1992. So this was directed by David Fincher, who actually got famous kind of coming up doing a bunch of commercials and music videos. This was his first feature. It ended up being such a, yeah, it ended up being such a terrible experience working with 20th, 20th Century Fox and the ultimate fan reaction to the film and box office that he didn't make another film until 1995 with seven, which of course <laughs> propelled his career because that did much better. <laughs> I love the idea with seven. It was just his fingers up to everybody being like, fuck you guys. I make good movies. Yeah. I mean a little bit. I mean, Fincher's always made good movies. <laughs> you know, I can't really find a lot of Fincher movies. I don't, I don't at least like, you know, he went on to do films like fight club Zodiac, which I actually think is his masterpiece personally. Uh, a little slower for some, but I think it's a brilliant movie. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Social Network. And, it, you know, it, it's just such a shame that Alien 3 kind of worked out the way it did. Partially because I wonder, what would what would Fincher have done in those first few younger years in between <laughs> Alien 3 and 7? You know, like, I, I feel like the guy did such a good job on Alien 3 considering the hell that was this production, which we will get into, that, you know, every studio should have been knocking down his door being like, hey, man, direct a movie for us, because if you could put up with that (laughs) bullshit, you can do anything, you You know? You can put up with our bullshit. (laughs) Right, exactly. And studios are nothing if not people who love to give filmmakers bullshit. So, so, you know, so it's just a really big shame that it didn't work out better. And, you know, a, a lot of the fan reaction kind of comes from somewhat understandable reasons that we'll get into in a moment but you know a lot of that stems from the fact that fincher is an auteur you know he likes to do things his own way he has his very unique style which is essentially extremely grim (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna be depressed by the end of this movie yeah and and he didn't want to replicate james cameron's aliens or or ridley scott's alien you know he wanted to do his own kind of thing and, and he was a big admirer of Ridley Scott, you know, so he wanted to kind of take the film sort of back a little bit to what the original had been, which was essentially this, you know, scary haunted house movie in space. And, you know, Aliens had just been such a completely different animal 
from Cameron, you know, and, and it's one of the best sequels of all time. Yep. And to and and just such a big action-packed movie with just this unforgettable cast, you know, and and just Stan Winston's creature effects, the Queen Alien, like it's just such a big movie that you know I, I do get why fans were initially upset that it kind of pulls back into something smaller again. Although I will just always stand by the idea that I don't know how you top aliens, you know, like <laughs> you don't. I, just, I just don't know how you top it. So I don't know why you'd even try. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that Fincher was smart in taking it into a different direction that kind of, you know, was its own kind of epic. But yeah. like his vision got fucked and we got a less good movie. <laughs> yes, it did. We, we will be talking about both versions of the film tonight, the theatrical version, as well as the uh, assembly cut, which is not which is not directly a director's cut because Fincher didn't put it together himself. But it is a lot of, you know, it's essentially, I would say, generally approved by him. So <laughs> if, there, if there's going to be any cut that he approves, it's this one, the assembly cut. Uh, but anyway, so the film was written by David Geiler and Walter Hill, uh, amongst like a thousand other people uh and these guys ha had both produced the previous two alien films so sigourney weaver was very familiar with them and as far as i understand it the way that they kind of came on to the project was that you know this the script was just going through so many writers oh, i mean there's like there, there are so many versions of this script quite a few of which you can find online and that i've read and let me tell you they are bonkers some of them but <laughs> but but the studio was having trouble getting Weaver back for the film. And so, you know, in a lot of these scripts that you read, Sigourney is like, you know, Ripley's in a coma in some of them mm -hmm. and just not present for the movie. <laughs> uh, in others, she's dead and gets shot out in the space, you know, like, Jesus. so, so this was kind of, so what happened here is, you know, Sigourney essentially said that she would only do Alien 3 if Guyler and Hill wrote the script because she trusted them. And so that's kind of how she came on board. And then, of course, you know, more money and whatever other <laughs> studio nego negotiations there were. But anyway, so, th so they're kind of the main writers of the, of the film. Uh, Larry Ferguson is also listed as a writer on the script. Uh, and he did films like Highlander and The Hunt for Red October. So he's a very talented writer. And, and he's listed because a lot of elements from his draft are included in the movie. So, but the film stars Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, of course, who got her start doing plays. She she was in a ton of them, uh, I think, through high school and college. Alien turned her into an overnight star. She went on to, of course, do movies like Aliens and Ghostbusters, and is now just you know one of the best, <laughs> one of the most well known actresses in the world. Yep. <laughs> and so I I just I always love stories of hers because as a kid it always just really made me smile that a lot of these big actors come from horror movies, you know, <laughs> like Alien. Uh, but anyway, it also stars Charles S. Dutton as Dylan, who first appeared in the film Cat's Eye, which is a really great kind of Stephen King horror movie. It went on to do film, and, and look, he went on to do films like Mimic and Secret Window, which I'm not going to sit here and say are his best works, but I like <laughs> to mention their horror projects. Yep. <laughs> and I actually really like Mimic. I think that's a great <laughs> Del Toro film that honestly doesn't really get enough credit. It's I kinda, the bug one, right? Yeah, it's the bug one. It kind of feels, you know, I, I could be wrong, but it feels like in 2022 that movie's not talked about very much anymore. And I, it's I, not. I really like that movie. But anyway... Uh, it also stars Charles Dance as Clemens, who started off doing a bunch of TV and played a villain in the film The Golden Child, which is a really fun one with Eddie Murphy. 
and in 1986 and then he also went on to do my personal favorite role of his which is the last action hero he's amazing because he, he's amazing in that he was tywin lannister in game of thrones <laughs> i need to find out if he's done a rom-com because i would like to see him in a rom-com i don't, I don't recall <laughs> this might be the closest you get to a rom-com with him in a movie Damn but, it. <laughs> but i but i'm not i'm not i don't know for sure so <laughs> Uh, and then it also stars uh, Danny Webb as Morse, who this is probably the role that he's best known for. Uh, he's also done a lot of TV, including The Walking Dead. So for those that haven't seen Alien 3, essentially the plot of the movie is that Ripley, again, played by Sigourney Weaver, uh, basically the escape ship that she's on from Aliens with Newton Hicks crash lands on this planet called Fury 161, which happens to be this basically desolate planet where the only people living there are this is this prison full of prisoners that are all like the worst men in the world. (laughs) But they found God. But they, and and they've all found God and you know, they're like basically like rapists, pedophiles, murderers, all that kind of nasty stuff. And, and so Ripley shows up there and she's the only woman, Uh, both Newton Hicks are, are killed in the crash. So they're not even in the movie really. And then Ripley eventually discovers that an alien has come with her to this planet. And now this, group of prisoners and Ripley with basically armed with nothing but torches (laughs) (laughs) has to take down this new kind of alien. So poor bitch. Yeah. So, so we're going to be spoiling everything with the film that we can. So if you've not seen alien three, please go check it out. It is not streaming, unfortunately. So, so I'd say you have to rent it. I, if you can, if you can rent the assembly cut, I would watch that one instead. It's, it's so much better. It's so much better. It's the longer version of the film, so that'll kind of give it away for you. But but otherwise, I personally am a huge defender of this movie. You know, <laughs> you would I would be. So so I would say it's worth your rental dollars, in my opinion. Uh, you know, like when it comes to this movie, I sort of think of myself like a lot of you are probably familiar with the. With the uh, the cover for the original Doom game, you know, or, or maybe it's Doom Two I'm thinking of, but it's got the main character like, he, and he's on a hill just shooting at all the demons, like trying to cl- <laughs> climb up and get him right. That's me with Alien Three. Like when people say they'll die on a hill for a movie, I will die on a hill for Alien Three. I think this movie's incredible. I'm about to rant about it in a second here, uh, but but I say it's worth your money <laughs> if you want to rent it. But anyway, uh, so. We will let you know when we're about to get into spoilers. We have our brief little bit of spoiler-free content, so we give you a heads up on that. So first up is just our usual kind of tagline versus the movie and what we think of it overall. So the tagline for Alien 3 was, Three times the suspense. Three times the danger. Three times the terror. (laughs) So what do you think (laughs) of the tagline? What do you think of Alien 3 overall? (laughs) Okay, super corny tagline, but I'm with it. It's fine. It's yeah, fine. It's whatever. It, <laughs> I, I feel like it fits with what we're going to be talking about a lot with this movie, and that's how um, the, the producers fucked this film. Yes, um, they did. <laughs> yeah. So I, when we first saw Alien 3, Matt only showed me the theatrical cut, so I did not like this one very much. Um, mm. We all know Alien 2 is going to be my favorite because I'm a little trash raccoon, and I like my action stuff. <laughs> There's nothing. <laughs> listen here. There is nothing trash raccoon about liking Aliens, right? It is one of, if not the best action films of all time. <laughs> it absolutely is. But when talking, like, in the entire Alien franchise, it's tough because you have to choose between, like, the really good classic number one or the little action awesome movie number two. I, I, like, anyway. I, like, how, I like how you <laughs> feel uncomfortable saying that Aliens is a masterpiece. So I'm just going to help you here. <laughs> Aliens is a masterpiece. 
All right, like I don't it, trust my own judgment at this point. <laughs> I like too much trash. When the like, raccoon tells you they like your favorite movie, you have to be worried. I, I guess you know, <laughs> Alien for me is my preferred one. Of course, but, but I, both are incredible. You know, like the, there is there is a big split in the fan base between Alien and Aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, there there are there are groups that prefer Alien Three and some of the others, like Alien Resurrection, but. But Alien and Aliens, those are the big two where it's like you love, you know, you, you fall in the camp of that's that's your favorite one or the other, right? Yeah. And yeah, no, Aliens is a masterpiece, all <laughs> okay. right? It is a masterpiece. I worry. I have, te- have, I have terrible taste. For, like, I get worried. <laughs> I am, but so Alien 3, I very much did not like it the first time we watched it, despite the fact that it has some of the best dialogue. Like, just mm. great, like, just speeches that you get in this. Like, I feel like on... Oh, Charles S. Dutton gets so many good moments in this movie. Oh, it's so good. Like, if Aliens has, like, that great get away from her, you bitch. Like, it's got great lines, but this one has great speeches. Yeah. And I will say, theatrical cut is garbage. But the, hey, now <laughs> okay, it's not complete garbage. I shouldn't fight Matt on his goddamn hill. You're um, gonna have to fight me through a this little episode. bit. Um, okay, not garbage, but I am gonna say garbage in comparison to um, what's the term? Not director's the cut. assembly cut. Fair enough. If I had seen the assembly cut, Aliens Three would be my second favorite Alien film. I would like it better than number one because okay. more. Sh- I mean, sh- you can still say it's yeah. your second favorite Alien film if you want. Now that you have seen the assembly cut. <laughs> oh, that's true. It's my second favorite because more shit happens and epic dialogue. All right, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so look, just brief history on Alien Three before I rant about it. So, you know, because I, I just, you know, as, as you're listening to this, not only do I want you. To hopefully, if you're not a fan of Alien 3, not only do I want you to hopefully take a closer look at it or take another look at it. And, you know, my hope is that you you grow to like it even just a smidge more by the end of this episode. <laughs> uh, but if anything, I want to paint the picture for you, really, of just how hellish this production was, if you don't know the details, and just really give you a sense of the master that is David Fincher (laughs) and how he managed to pull out a film that is actually quite competent (laughs) when you think about it, you know, like alien three is the third best alien movie in the alien franchise, including alien resurrection, the AVP movies and Prometheus and alien covenant. And I say that as someone who likes all of those. (laughs) All right. Now AVP two and, and you know, I like AVP. It's dumb and fun. It is dumb and fun. I'm not calling those great movies, but I enjoy them. Mm -hmm. Alien three though, is the third best movie out of all of those. All right. Like it is a very competent movie. And you know, so, so I just want you to consider that as I list this off here. So, (laughs) You know, the, the tr- <laughs> Alien 3 is such a troubled production that when I was in film school, we had a whole segment. Like, we spent, I think, maybe two, two and a half weeks studying the disaster of Alien 3. Oh. You know, so so this was for a screenwriting course, I believe. And what they had us do is I think we read, like, three, if not four different versions of this script. And, and kind of had to just, you know, sort of analyze, like, you know, whatever, like, what what could have been and, and why decisions were made and all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. but we read, f- <laughs> there were multiple versions of this script. And part of the big problem with Alien 3 is that the studio had basically dated the sequel 
without a script. You know, oh, so, shit. so Aliens was such a big success and 20th Century Fox basically wanted to capitalize on that and frankly didn't really care about the movie. They just they just sort of figured it's Alien, we're going to make money on it, you know. Mm-hmm. So so they dated the release for this movie without a ready script and without really I think much of the team put together and were so- they drunk? <laughs> They're just idiots, all right? <laughs> they were just dumb. It was a very, very dumb group here on this. And and essentially what happened is, you know, dur- throughout this production, the the script was being changed so often that actors would shoot a scene and then find out the next day that it had been scrapped. Oh. You know, so they so it was a it was a mess in that regards. Uh the the cinematographer, I think, left like three or four days into the shoot because he had Parkinson's and wasn't healthy enough for it. Oh shit. The the script was being changed so much that, you know, they were going through all these different versions where there were like sets being torn down during production, you know, and, and rebuilt because they were just changing their minds on things. Fincher had to basically fight for every single thing that he got to go his way in this film. Because, you know, 20th Century Fox basically argued with him on everything. Jesus. You know, like, it was just a mess. It was a fucking mess. And I, I really do just kind of look at this film as just, you know, I, I mean, I mean, like, they, they went through so many versions of the script that, you know, we've got our final version here that we've seen or, or that was released. There's another version of the script where, uh, where Ripley's in a coma and Newton Hicks, like, uh, arrive on this space station where scientists are like studying it, the alien cells and whatever. And then I don't remember if it's that version or a different version because there's so many versions where I, I think it ends up becoming sort of like a body horror contagion movie where people get infected and are like turning into aliens. Okay, that sounds uh, fucking dope. I'm not going to lie. It is. The script isn't really that good, though. I, I personally didn't like it. But <laughs> uh, We found but, an alien thing Matt doesn't like. Ah, but uh, maybe the movie would have been good. I don't know. But uh, but there's that. And then there's another version where, like, you know, they, they come to this uh, wooden planet full of these religious monks. And so that's a lot of what you see that ended up in the final version. But but obviously completely different from what we see here. You know, like a wooden <laughs> planet is just insane. Uh, so, I mean, it's just draft after draft after draft of this movie. Writer after writer after writer. So what I'm getting at here is... David Fincher's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> That's the takeaway. And, and just just the fact that he made a watchable movie, I think, speaks so much to just how great of a filmmaker he is. And so, and, and then just looking at the final product, I mean, because these are things that I don't know if I'm going to mention during the episode, you know, like Elliot Rosenthal's score is just gorgeous. You know, this whole franchise is full of great scores, but I, I like Rosenthal's the best. I just think it's fucking beautiful and eerie, and I just, I adore it. I listen to this when I write sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's so much just kind of moody camera work, you know, mm-hmm. that Fincher employs, like like the camera just kind of slowly panning through different areas. I love this shot on Ripley that's just like a slow very kind of gloomy fade out to black on her face you know it's just like there's so much good stuff in this movie it's beautiful the speeches in the film that you mentioned like it's it's a dark grim awful you know sort of film in that sense but it's beautiful at the same time Mm -hmm. 
so with, with a weird little CGI alien running around. There's like there's like <laughs> maybe ten seconds tops worth of an actual CGI alien in the film. That's true. They still used a practical alien that looks fantastic in yep. this movie. So I don't disagree with you. I so just take your CGI alien and get the fuck out of here. I will. My CGI alien is baby and mine. I know, I know, but but there's always so many comments that's like, oh, the, the alien CGI and stupid, and it's like, okay, I mean, I look, I don't like the CGI alien either, but 10 seconds of a CGI alien is not enough for me to say that the movie's now bad all of a sudden. So. I, I agree with you with that. I weirdly have decided to adopt the alien after watching this movie multiple times, so now I love the CGI alien. Well, as you should. All right, yeah. so we're going to move into spoilers now, so again, if you have not seen the film, please go check it out. Well worth your time. Make sure you watch the assembly cut. <laughs> yep. So, so spoilers. All right. So let, let's just start off with the elephant to the room of this movie. And that's the fact that it kills off Newton Hicks. Fucking rude. Fucking rude. Fucking why, rude. You, you tell me. <laughs> why Why is it fucking rude? <laughs> I mean, look, it's it's one of those things where like I watch and I kind of, I kind of understand you want to like move forward just with like Ripley and you know bringing three characters to a new world like that's the logistical reason I can think of why they're just like nah let's just kill off these other characters make it about Ripley all of the alien movies have been about Ripley let's just keep that focus but you know what this makes me think and you made me think about it even more by bringing up that there was a script where she's just in a fucking coma Mm. what if that's all this is what if this is just literally Ripley's in a coma and this entire movie is a dream? Well, that was actually a pitch from Neil Blomkamp at one point for an alien movie that I guess you're not aware of. Where <laughs> Of course not. Where he, he at one time pitched basically, if I remember correctly, it's been a while, but he at one time pitched that Alien 3 would be that Ripley was just in a coma. And then his version would begin with her waking up and it's... Uh, you know, so I nailed thing. it. So Ripley's in purgatory. I've just decided Ripley's in purgatory <laughs> and she's figuring her shit out. And that's that's why there's such the heavy religious stuff. And you can't you can't be in purgatory and have Newton Hicks. They could have survived. They could be dead. Who gives a shit? Because she's in purgatory. I mean, you could certainly look at it like that if you want. You know, I, I mean, the, that's what's look. This is part of what's really fun about Alien Three, and we're going to get into some of these. Is that there there are so many different really strong themes kind of throughout this movie right and and one of them is this sort of like hellish theme and And so moving into the light well i don't know about that part of it but it's (laughs) everywhere but there is this sort of hellish theme and you know so if you want to look at it as like ripley in purgatory with all these dudes i mean you can certainly (laughs) see it that way you know and and if you want to think it's just a dream it's just a dream that that's that's the fun of movies they can be whatever you want once they're made right so like when, once they're in our hands, they're they're whatever we want them to be. So, yes, I decide. Uh, so so here's my thing with this is like you know so I I don't I don't want anyone to take offense to this. I don't think that you're you're wrong for not liking Alien Three because Newton Hicks die. All right, mm-hmm. you know it, it is perfectly acceptable to not like a movie because there's something that bothers you about it. And in the case of you know Newton Hicks, I, I do get it. Like I'm not. <laughs> As much as I defend this movie, I do get the argument there because, yeah, you know, Aliens ends with this very hopeful ending mm-hmm. uh, for Ripley and with this, like, found family. And, you know, obviously to have that just immediately <laughs> stripped away in Alien 3 and and not even just 
taken away, but in such a brutal way. Oh yeah. Where where Hicks is basically smashed to a bloody pulp, which he part, doesn't even have a face anymore. Right. Well, well, and part of the reason for that is Bean didn't want them to use his face because uh, he was <laughs> upset that he wasn't in the movie. Understandable. So so they you know they kind of had to do it that way, but but he smashed to a bloody pulp. You know, Newt is just put on this operating table and cut open and all this stuff like. It's it's gruesome, you know, yeah. and, and and if you're a fan of these characters, like it hurts. It, it's very painful. <laughs> yeah, it was that was the thing for me. Like I love Newt, and for me, the hopeful ending of of Aliens isn't about like Ripley having this found family. It's Newt getting off this hellish planet while where she watched everybody die to like maybe have some semblance of a childhood, and they're right. like, nah, she fucking drowned. Like it, bitches. Yeah, no, it, it's it's heavy. It's yeah. it's very heavy. And and it's especially heavy if you're a fan of Ripley as well, because, you know, Ripley is just she, suffered. She, she, ha, she has suffered. She has a line in the movie later on where she says to the alien, you've been in my life so long. I don't remember anything else, you know, and mm-hmm. and like that's a that's a gut punch because yeah. it's true. You know, like in, in Aliens, you know, Ripley finds out she's been gone so long that she's now outlived her daughter you know so she so by the beginning of alien 3 she's now lost two daughters you know and basically her whole life essentially and so so like that that's really hard to to take as someone that loves the characters Mm -hmm. but you know (laughs) but once but but i think to look at alien 3 and call it a bad movie because of that is a different thing you know there's a difference between disliking something and a thing being good or bad Mm -hmm. you know and so i think that when you look at alien 3 you can be mad about that decision but it but you have to take the film like you're going to enjoy movies more if you take the movie as it is yeah and then kind of judge it based on that right so this is not the critic coming out (laughs) yeah so so once you kind of get past that element of it you know and you take alien 3 as it is Mm -hmm. it's an extremely effective good movie like You know, it, it's it's supposed to be grim. It's supposed to be painful. It's supposed to hurt. You know, mm-hmm. like essentially Fincher's film here is is basically this movie that you know sort of looks at aliens that has this hopeful ending, and he says, "No, there is no hope. Like we're <laughs> like the, you know there is." And, and 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 I agree with him in Ripley's case. Mm-hmm. I do because as much as I want a happy ending or a happy life for Ripley, it's never going to happen. Yeah. The she knows too much about the the largest corporation in the world. So even if Ripley managed to get back home to Earth, her her the rest of her life is going to be, you know, on the run basically from Wayland Yutani, if not just flat out captured and put to death that moment, you know? Like so she I... so so there is no there is, you know, it sucks to say but like there the film isn't hopeful because I don't know that there really is a lot of hope for Ripley. There and, isn't. And, it, and, and that's kind of the movie's point from the beginning is like, you know, not everything ends happy, happy yeah. you know? And and sometimes things are shitty. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and look, here's my thing is even if she wasn't on the run from the company or anything like that, like we can even take it as far as to say like the alien is always going to be a shadow because the alien is a reminder of the the darker side of humanity, the fact that people want to basically screw other people over without considering anything. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how you live through the first two Alien movies and have, like, any sense of happiness after that. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's why, like, I feel like it's really perfect that she ends up on this planet because I'm... Um, 
with Ripley, what she's struggling with with this film, with the death of Newt and Hicks and not knowing for a good chunk of the film if there's an alien or whether she's just paranoid, is that she's landed with a lot of other people who also feel ostracized from society and don't know how to function in it anymore. Mm-hmm. Right, which it's a perfect place for her to land because, mm-hmm. you know, she do, we do get that sort of kind of comparison in a sense where, it, you know, in a weird way, like, you know, considering the sort of awful men that she's surrounded by, <laughs> in a weird way, she's found, in a she's sense- She's found a new, her family. <laughs> she's found a newfound family. And, and that, and that you know, that feels shitty to say. I'm yeah. not saying that Ripley, you know, I'm not saying that we should be like- cheering the idea that Ripley's newfound family is a bunch of fucking rapists and murderers, but but it's more so to say that, you know, Ripley's future, if any, is a family of outcasts and yep. people that really want to be away from the world, you know, because mm-hmm. that's, you know, had Ripley survived this, that's probably what she's going to want. And yeah. so one thing I want to say quickly uh, before, I, before we talk more about the planet here is that going back to how much this stuff hurts with Newton Hicks, I want to focus on Newt for a second because now Just tear out my heart. That's fine. Yeah, I'm gonna, <laughs> but but I want to focus on Newt for a second because you know, as gut wrenching as it is to have that scene where Ripley has the autopsy being performed on her, and I mean, my God, the sound design <laughs> during those moments where you hear like all the flesh and bones cracking and ripping, like it. Ooh, man, does Fincher know how to get under your skin with that? And so, you know. One of the themes that is running through Alien 3 is, you know, essentially the concept of women's rights and abortion, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and we well, have rights. <laughs> I, I mean, God, I hope so. Not you know, right. like it seems, it seems like the government wants to take away all that now, oh. but, but you know, that, that's a very strong theme kind of within the film. And, it, you know, this kind of comes on the heels of this was sort of a period where, you know, abortion was becoming a highly debated topic once again. And I think actually the same year, 1992, there was a case, uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which I think ended up kind of resulting in sort of states kind of given, being given more of the option to kind of, you know, restrict abortion or, or, or place restrictions on abortion based on the state. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't think they could ban it, but they could kind of have like their own restrictions. Please don't quote me on that. I don't know all the specifics of abortion, but, uh, but the, but those things were kind of going on then, you know, mm-hmm. and I, and this film really reflects that. And so part of why I think this moment with nude is important is that, you know, th- there's always this discussion that kind of comes around abortion from the critics of it where, you know, they, they almost seem to treat the women like, you know, like like they just view abortion as like, you know, like going to the store and like picking up a jar of apple, you know, right? like, like picking up a picking up a fucking, you know, it's, cupcake it's, or whatever. And it's like, you know, it, like they, they, they the critics seem to seem to view it as just like, you know, like women just don't give a fuck. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're just like, yeah, give me 50 abortions, you know, like they view and, it as plastic surgery. In a sense, yeah, a little yeah. bit, and and so why I think the scene is so important is because you you really see the pain of Ripley uh, in in losing you know a kid that's not even her own, but a mm-hmm. kid that she has sort of found as her child, right? You you really see the pain of her in that loss, mm-hmm. and and this is still a film where you know Ripley we eventually learn is impregnated with an alien queen. And she is making that, you know, sort of abortion decision. Mm-hmm. So the theme kind of runs throughout, you know. 
And so I, I just like the sort of comparison there of like, no, Ripley, I mean, granted, it's different. I get it, all right? It's an <laughs> alien monster and a child. But but the theme is still, you know, relevant here where it's like, you know, I, we are seeing the fact that, no, Ripley doesn't just want to not have kids. Ripley it, is should be given the right to have that decision. And it's not like it's an easy decision. No, and you know? so. it's about choice. She chose Newt. She wanted Newt. Right, um, and she's and not choosing the fucking queen alien. No, the queen alien <laughs> just laid fucking eggs at her, and she went, I'm super not okay with this, which yeah. also goes back to our, our rapey prisoners. Yeah, well, so, so and, and this is what's so, th- this is why I think this is such a good choice, too, mm-hmm. right? Is that, you know, <laughs> I mean, man, you want to talk about, you want to talk about relevant themes uh, with the abortion thing. I mean, what what is more, you know, what what is a better example of just not not just the state then, but maybe even more so now, you know, in our culture. What is a better example of this argument than Ripley being on a planet run by men <laughs> where, you know, it where she's basically they're they're trying to make all these decisions for her, you know, right down to the point where where sort of the I forget what his official title is, but the leader of, you know, the prison, Andrews, played by Brian Glover where he's basically telling Ripley, like, I don't want you walking around and giving these prisoners <laughs> ideas, you know? And it yeah. just, it strikes right back to that thing of, like, you know, it's not it's not the men's fault that they have urges. It's your fault, you yeah. know? Like, you brought it on yourself by bullshit. walking out of the infirmary, you know? And it's just like, fuck you, man. Like, yeah. fuck you, Andrews. But but that but that's the culture that we live in, you know? that That's the whole side of, uh, of, uh, of a male portion of the society is that they... And and some women, too, where, you know, they do have that thought process of like, well, you know, boys are going to be boys. And, yeah. and you're, you're what just. What were you wearing? Right, where were you walking? Right. Exactly. Like, you should have made better choices, you know. It's <laughs> Did like, you say hi to him? You it, asked for it. Right. It's like, or I don't know. I, as a human being, I should be allowed to just walk in public somewhere and not expect to get raped. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to go and get my defunct robot out of the trash pile. Right. Exactly. Why can't I just get my fucking half robot <laughs> out of this trash pile on an abandoned prison planet right. and just be left alone? <laughs> right. Well, so this is one of the things that I really like with with the prisoners and the planet and Ripley landing there because these prisoners have been there for a while, but they don't actually have to still be on the planet. They kind of talk about that where they were going to shut this whole thing down. And this specific group that we meet ostensibly had found God, you know, through Dylan. Dylan's kind of their priest, pastor, yeah. Lord. I don't know what the proper term is. We can go with pastor or priest. Pastor, I, don't okay. I don't know about I don't, Lord. I don't know about this religion. I don't, think, I don't think they see him as the second coming of Christ. But. No. They've decided to stay because, and it's something that I think is, is actually kind of cool about these prisoners, is that they've kind of recognized the otherness of themselves. Yeah. They, they've realized that they don't think that they can fit into a normal society in a way that they'll be accepted and in a way where you know works to them they're actually kind of holding themselves accountable Mm -hmm. which i think is really cool and i like the dichotomy that we get with dylan because like if you watch the i'm gonna call it director's cut because i keep forgetting what it's called the assembly cut. assembly cut okay so if you watch the assembly cut you have this great scene with Dylan that unfortunately got cut out where you first see him like mediating with some of the other brothers as they're called mm. the brothers, the white chromos. I fucking love the fact that they're called the white chromos. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was like an official title given to the place. Cause it's part of the, it's part of the, you know, typed title that we see in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if like in the future, 
if in the future they just refer to places like that. Well, I think, I don't, maybe it's a genetic thing. I don't know. Maybe there's more chromosomes in the future. I don't know. Maybe, who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Um, But you get this nice moment in the assembly cut where the first time we really see Dylan kind of, you know, being his pastor self is when he's trying to mediate between the brothers to, like, all kind of get along and really about this harmony. And then when the brothers act up and try to fucking rape Ripley, he beats the shit out of them. He's just like, no, no, this is not how we do this. We are, I'm going to re-educate you fuckers. <laughs> he does. And, and this will be one of the very, very, very few rape scenes that you actually ever hear me defend as, you know, we, we, all, have, we all have our concepts mm-hmm. on what's necessary and unnecessary. This is one of the very few that I will ever say I feel is necessary to the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I mean, look, I, I don't, I hate rape scenes in general in movies. I can't fucking stand them. And, I and don't watch them. Right. And there, and there are very few times that, that it sits well with me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the cases where I'm okay with it as much as the scene itself makes me uncomfortable because it's supposed to. Yep. But, you know, because that is part of the theme, I, I honestly love the way that Fincher just so aggressively and brutally just rams this scene into your face, you know, and and it's, it's over, it's over almost as quickly as it begins. And I just, you know, I, I kind of love how that sort of expresses just kind of, you know, honestly, the, the fury and suddenness of things like this. Right. And, and just how they can just sort of happen, you know, and Mm -hmm. we're unprepared for it. And so like, it's just, you know, I, I, I hope that there are men that watch that scene and kind of sit back and go like, oh, you know, yeah, uh, because of how aggressive it is. And then with Dylan, you know, you make a great point. And this is something I want to talk about here is that part of why I also think it's necessary is I, I like seeing Dylan come in and just beat the shit out of them. <laughs> you know, not just to watch Charles S. Dutton beat the crap out of these dudes. Always enjoyable, who, but. Because who doesn't love that? But, but thematically, again, it's really interesting because, you know, a huge problem in society still today is that not enough men speak up against this stuff, right? Yeah. And so so that moment with him coming in and beating the shit out of him, mm-hmm. you know, to me just makes me think of like, yeah, like a, like a dude standing up and saying, no, 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 rape not okay. Fuck you guys. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> you know, you had brought up that Andrews was the one who was just like telling Ripley she can't go anywhere. And he's very much feeding into that culture, that, that rape culture of if you go somewhere, then you bring it on yourself. You're riling people up. Things are happening because you exist. Yeah. And Dylan, you know, Ripley you know, balls bigger than any of these boys. Not Fuck only yeah. not only walks into the cantina, but sits down in the middle of a table with dudes. And <laughs> I love when she's like, I must make you very uncomfortable then, you know, <laughs> just, just kind of like mocking him. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, and then Dylan very much, it's why I like him and I like him as the leader, is he has that great line where we'll even tolerate the intolerable. Basically mm. him saying, hey, it's not really on you. Yeah, I fucking hate you right now, but it is on me to you know, deal with my behavior. And that's why like him stepping up. Yeah. He's those dudes being like, Hey, fuck you guys. It's your behavior. I'm going to beat your ass with this stick. Well, look, and, 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 you know, one of the other kind of really interesting themes, and I'm not going to get into here much, actually, because it's it, this is one that's been talked about a lot. And, you know, I, I would actually direct you to a piece that just appeared on Dread Central as of this recording, uh, written by Terry Mesnard, who I think that's the correct last name. Hopefully it is Terry. I'm sorry. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but he wrote a whole piece kind of looking at the sort of 
way that the film connects to the history of the queer community mm-hmm. uh, because you know one of because one of the themes that that is prevalent in uh, alien 3 as well is you know kind of a commentary on the aids crisis and you know dealing with the fact that there is this sort of contagion you know ripley refers to it as much and how it's kind of spreading through this all-male population right so mm-hmm. so so that's very much there and you know there's a lot of like sexuality combined with violence sort of moments as well so i would direct you to his piece to get more on that because something that i really want to talk about is sort of kind of touching on what we've been saying which is this idea that i sort of look at this am looking at this movie for, through a more modern lens of just kind of how it sort of looks at male toxicity as well mm-hmm. you know because you have you have all of these guys that are basically like extreme versions of it, right? You know, rapists, murderers of women, mm-hmm. pedophiles, like you know, they, they they ooze toxic masculinity, right? Yeah, uh, and and they're kind of in acceptance of women. So so you know to to see them be these sort of outcasts who, like Chris said, has accepted that they don't really have a place in society and have kind of taken themselves out of it because they're still working through their shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I to me to me as a man like that speaks so much to you know, to me as a man who's had to kind of deal with sort of uncovering, you know, this what I sort of refer to as like the poison of toxic masculinity that kind of runs through my system mm-hmm. through, you know, fucking decades <laughs> of of conditioning by yep. society to believe certain things all the way down to, you know, fucking blue is for boys and pink is for girls like all that nonsense. And, and that's how it feels sometimes like you, you almost, you almost want to shut down and take yourself out of society because you're just like, man, like I am so fucked up by everything that I've been led to believe that I don't know how to be, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't know how to be where I'm not going to hurt somebody else. Yeah. And, and, and I don't mean physically, like emotionally too, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, so that's kind of a theme running through here. And I think it works really well with, you know, with the kind of concept of sort of this prison kind of being very womb-like, you know, there's all these tunnels and everything and you've got these men running through it. That plays in the abortion theme as well, but, but it's very womb-like. And comes I comes back to the wombs with you. Well, especially in an <laughs> alien movie, you know, and so, which is not a stretch to say that there is sexual imagery in alien, um, you know, but it's all very womb-like and, and you kind of have all these men that are being, stalked by this alien and pulled back into the womb and i kind of look at the alien itself as you know sort of like this monstrous version of that toxic masculinity that's kind of hunting and destroying these men who you know ultimately have not really been able to overcome it you Mm -hmm. know and and i just kind of like it as this sort of like vicious fury that's kind of destroying them (laughs) yeah i definitely get behind that i also think it's why we get like such a heavy religious theme with this because the religion Mm. theme is really heavy because basically these guys found god well for sure they're 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 essentially in purgatory Mm -hmm. and the alien is kind of like the devil who has come to well no they're not all (laughs) in coma but but it's essentially like a purgatory and you know fury 161 is extremely hellish i mean there's so much orange lighting and fire imagery and stuff in this movie that it's you know it's not very subtle about the hell kind of (laughs) theme here uh and and yeah the aliens kind of like the fucking devil who has come to you know 
collected souls co- co- collect what it's owed <laughs> from these dudes <laughs> which i have to say that like bums me out a little bit because like some of these dudes like legitimately are trying like i i'm not a super huge religious person but i think to your point i think these dudes are trying to kind of rid themselves the- of this toxic masculinity and have kind of substituted like this heavy religious thing but with an emphasis on not swearing and getting along they, and they they are but you know this is a horror movie oh, and yeah. so so like you know in horror you're still punished for your sins even if you're trying mm. to overcome them you're yep. still you gener- can never escape them generally you're still eventually punished for them you know so they will so, hunt you down with their tiny head so like you know as someone who reads a lot of toxic masculinity into the movie like i mean yeah that that hurts you know to mm. see them succumb to it or, or to come to the monster, but it's supposed to hurt. Yeah. You know, you're honestly, you're supposed to feel sad about it. Fincher because, wants to hurt everyone. <laughs> well, well, you're, you're supposed to feel sad about it. And, and if there are men who see this and you feel sad about it because these dudes, some of them are trying to get better and, you know, still lose out. You're supposed to, because you're supposed to see that and say, you should not act in the behavior that they have. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're supposed to see it as, yeah. You know, it, it they're trying to overcome it, but what they did was still terrible. Yeah. So <laughs> still gonna get eaten by the dog alien. Right. So it's or not necessarily alien. that you're supposed to be left hopeless, but you're supposed to, you know, it's supposed to scare you, essentially. Yeah. It's supposed to scare you into not scare being those you men. Straight. <laughs> and so, you know, and, and let's talk about this alien. I mean, I <laughs> you know, aside from it being a fucking man eating monster, mm-hmm. you know, quite literally, um <laughs> I I fucking love this alien. And I know a lot of people complain about Alien 3 not being aliens and having a bunch of aliens in it. Mm-hmm. But look, I mean, they still put a lot of thought into what are we going to do differently with the alien? And depending on which version you watch, you know, the theatrical version has the alien come out of a dog, mm-hmm. which was actually uh, a reshot thing because they felt that uh, having it come out of a bowl, as it does in the assembly cut, they they sort of earned ox. They sort of looked at the ox as like a slow animal, so it wouldn't make sense that the alien's running very fast, which I think is bullshit because an alien is bullshit. an okay. alien is still an alien. It's gonna be fast no matter what. But they but they thought the dog would make more sense for it to be faster. So whatever. Uh, but <laughs> I, wa- I want to meet the fucker who thought it made more sense for us to watch a live dog die and bum us out that way then watch the alien come out of a dead cow <laughs> well i mean i don't well, want to watch that dog die well nobody does but to be fair to that i mean the film is grim enough you know might as well just throw a fucking dead why dog not just too. kill a dog too <laughs> why not just kill a dog <laughs> go for broke uh you're already got, doing we got rape got you, dog killing you're, you're already throwing everything else in there you know you don't actually have the death death of a child but we can see a child <laughs> fucking ripped open so All right. you know we're basically touching every taboo possible in this movie all right we just gotta play Bingo. Um, but and by the way fun fact about the dog thing uh i would highly suggest googling images of this where you can actually see that at one point they did have a, a an actor dog named whippet actually in sort of like an alien prosthetic costume to <gasps> to play the alien at certain moments and it didn't work out so they didn't so they didn't end up using it. Why would but, you tell me this in the middle of an episode? I just want to Google right now. I know, but but so you can actually find images of this dog in some alien and costume. And its name is Whippet. And its name was Whippet. Um, <laughs> I officially love this dog. But no, I just think this is such a cool element of the movie. Like you know, not only do I love the kind of thematics of it, but but I just I love the speed of this alien. You know, mm-hmm. it 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 really so perfectly represents the vicious anger. <laughs> <laughs> of of the themes of this movie uh, of every th- of of the emotion running through the film you know mm-hmm. this alien is the most hell ish <laughs> alien beast. 
is the most is the most direct hell beast in the entire franchise. Like you've got Golic played by Paul McGann, who another victim of the cutting room floor. You know, who in the assembly cut, there's a whole side story where Golic believes that the alien is the fucking devil or the beast or the dragon, as he calls it. And and they actually do trap it in their first plan where they kind of, you know, set everything on fire. They do trap it in the toxic waste room, which I love the emphasis toxic. You know, I don't think toxic masculine was a term back then. But it works pretty well now. Yep. Uh, but they, but they do actually trap it in there, and he releases it because you know he he thinks that it's supposed to be running loose and get and all these men everyone. for their sins, right? So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I love the the dog alien, the cow alien, whatever the fuck it is. Um, but I love it for the the I don't know the zoology of it. Like, okay. <laughs> I think it's just I think it's such a smart thing to put on the aliens because we'd only ever seen them infect humans before, and so this concept that when they lay eggs, it's not just a cuckoo situation where they laid an egg in another bird's nest. No, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> of all things, a cuckoo. <laughs> like it was the first thing I thought of. Okay, okay. <laughs> but like I love this concept that it's not only just about like they're laying this egg, but then they're also pulling certain aspects from their host, which then begs me the question that in the assembly cut we see that the the planet has a shit ton of other animals. I could have gotten a chicken alien, and no, it's all I want. I want a chicken alien. I feel like I deserve it. Please yeah, let me see and, the chicken and, alien. And, and that's why the action figure lines for the aliens really just went nuts and did a bunch of things. Is there like a chicken alien? I don't know. There is not a chicken Damn alien. It. There, there is a bull alien though, which I is don't pretty care cool. About figure that. I want the chicken. Whatever, bull alien's cool. Chicken alien, fuck off. Um, so, <laughs> but no, but that was a cool concept they introduced. You know mm. that that was the first time that we saw that, and and, and honestly, I think it's something that you know the franchise really hasn't explored as much as it should because yeah. you have a lot of different aliens you could do. Well, look, and we have to talk about one of the good men of the movie, right? Or quote unquote good, and that's you know this relationship that Ripley has with with uh, with Doctor Clemens, played by Charles Dance, where you know I I personally I, I really like this for her. I yeah. mean, he still dies, yeah. and so it still sucks. <laughs> but but I am glad that we get at least one nice Ripley moment where for <laughs> for just a moment. She, she gets, gets to have sex. For just a moment, she gets to fuck and feel, like, normal-ish again, you know? Because mm-hmm. Ripley hasn't fucked for... A while. Uh, like, a thousand years. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember. <laughs> she got cobwebs down there. Oh, I don't, I don't remember how long it's been, you know? But it's been a while. And, and so I, I love that she gets to have that. Mm-hmm. And then Fincher just, again, like laughs at you and then stabs you in the back <laughs> yeah it's just like no, no no you can't have this i agree with you i really like their relationship you know i liked ripley and and hicks to a certain point because they could both understand the militaristic aspect of what they were doing but personally i'm team clemens all the way for the sole reason that i think that he understands the burden that she has more than anyone else because mm. dr clemens yes he listens to her he's a much better dude but he still murdered people because he was fucking high on painkillers while he was a doctor well i mean I, I, yeah i mean yeah that sucks but look yeah. the th- but you kind of touch on it. the thing that i think is actually really brilliant about this is kind of going back to the abortion theme of the movie is you know i this is meaningful that the the one like really good male relationship or or, or a relationship that Ripley has with the man in the mm-hmm. film, you know, because Dylan is is 
accepting of her, but I wouldn't exactly call them close. You know, no. they're not they're not exactly friends. They're people working together in a shitty situation because they mm-hmm. have to. Uh, but but this is the one like good male relationship that Ripley has, and I think that's important to the movie because you know if we're looking at it through this abortion theme, then you know how I I mean it's so vital to kind of show like the best relationship Ripley has in this movie is with the doctor. <laughs> You know, and, and I mean, you laugh with, with a doctor that she can trust and who listens to her well, and well, respects well, her. Well, you laugh, but but the, the point of it is, is that, you know, a, a woman's relationship with her doctor when it comes to abortion is is special. You know, mm-hmm. it's important. It's vital. And and, you know, as 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 supporters of abortion, like us say, mm-hmm. you know, that decision should be between a woman and her doctor. Yeah. And so so I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, Ripley just happens to be getting close to the doctor here because he's the he's the kind of male character that represents that uh, that sort of you know argument for abortion and all that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. and the fact that you know this should be between a woman and her doctor yeah so well and he also understands what i really like about their relationship is both of them have a weight on their shoulders they have blood on their hands kind of their fault kind of not their fault and both of them, I feel like, are looking for somebody who just will listen and believe them and trust them. Like you said, it's it's not it's about trust, and mm. and that's what the two of them have, and that's why I'm absolutely Team Clemens all the way. I'm so mad at that goddamn alien who's just like, I want to say hi to my mommy, so you have to go, and just fucking murders him. Yeah, the the jealousy of a child. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Matt knows it well with Storm. Oh yeah, no, our dog loves to just our dog's Norman get right Bates. in between us. Anytime I even try to hug Chris. Um <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, and then of course, you know, the this all leads to our ending here, which I think touches the most strongly on this theme. And and you know, that is the thing of abortion, right? So we we end up finding out that Ripley is pregnant with this with this queen alien, and Chris is fighting me on the fact that it doesn't look like that in the X-ray, and how can she tell? And I'm trying to tell her. You can see the outline of the queen alien's head. In There's the nothing X-ray. there. There's nothing there. But but regardless, you know, I she she finds out she's pregnant, and and I think the response from '85 when he's just like, "I'm sorry," you know, it's just so perfect mm-hmm. for for coming from a man who who can't really understand or connect, nope. and the best he can do is just be like. That sucks. That sucks. You know? <laughs> Maybe they'll be able to get it out of you. Right. And and then this leads into the whole kind of debate thing with it, right? Where it's like, you know, the that whole third act is kind of just all about, you know, R- Ripley makes her decision pretty early on of like, I want it out of me, mm-hmm. you know. But, but what she keeps running into over and over again, including with Dylan, yep. is she cannot find a man to end it for her, you know? Yeah. She cannot find that escape, and she's not being given the choice. You yeah. know, she, she's not being given the choice that she wants. And, you know, and so it all just kind of ends up culminating in that ending where it's like, you know, you've got Lance Henriksen show up again as Bishop, <laughs> only this time, you know, he claims he's the guy who made Bishop, though yeah. Chris and I still both believe that... He's a robot. He's a robot. <laughs> fucking robot. Fucking line robot. Right, because you can't trust Waylon Yutani for shit. Nope. Um, <laughs> but but he shows up, and you know, and, and they're claiming, like, oh, yeah, we're going to take it out of you, and you're going to live a happy life, and whatever, and Ripley knows that's bullshit. And, and, you know, long story short, it's just another... It becomes this, you know, very relevant example of a woman who is not being given the choice to end her pregnancy. Yep. You know, because ultimately, even if they cut it out of her and they save her life, 
they're not terminating it, you know, and that's yeah. what she wants. So they're not respecting her decisions, her choice. She's still not in charge of her own body and what happens to it. it exactly. Again, which is why I think it's just so, you know, such a great decision that they basically filled this movie with all men other than Ripley, you know, because mm-hmm. it really hammers that point home. And, it, you know, so so then to have Ripley make this decision where it's like, you know, she jumps off. And, and puts her arms out like Christ and, and dies in this pit of fire, you know? Yeah. It's, she she really becomes almost sort of like this symbolic martyr, mm-hmm. you know, for for women. But it's, it's, it's with a dark message of kind of like how, you know, if you, you know, like, like women are still going to terminate yep. an abortion or, or to terminate a child if they want to or need to, you know, yeah. like it, it, it really is just this important decision of like some women aren't ready. Some women, it's, it's a health issue, you mm-hmm. know, like they're going to do it. Well, you cannot stop it. And it, so for Ripley to do this, it just becomes like, you know, it's, it's this symbolic sort of meaning where it's like showing that, you know, you can't stop it. And it's going to result ultimately in the, in the death of women. You know, well, and I think that it really hits home. Like you had brought it up with the the rape scene, hoping that you know dudes would kind of see it. And I think with this last scene with Ripley, you know, yes, she is a martyr to this, but there is such a depressing quality about this. Oh, hundred percent. And that's what this is really trying to hit home: is martyrdom is not. There is a small sense of beauty in this, as you know, she's falling with everything, but martyrdom is not beautiful it's not good it is the tragic loss of a strong woman who shouldn't have had to go through this and also i fucking okay i like the ending i agree with it i feel the same way about this ending as i felt about the nightmare on elm street with nancy i thought it Uh. totally makes sense Having said that, I fucking hate this ending because it means that rat bastard little company man from the second movie who tried to impregnate her with a face hugger fucking wins because I think he put the goddamn egg on there. So fuck that rat bastard. Well, I mean, look, whatever you want to think happened there, I mean, at least he still got his in Aliens, you know? I mean, yeah, but but, then he still got Ripley. But yes, I I mean, yes, ultimately, well, but see, ultimately, Weyland-Yutani wins and doesn't win. They, They win in that they get ripley impregnated by an alien mm-hmm. they don't win in that you know she sacrifices herself in the end but yeah. no but, lady know, should have to throw herself into a lake of fire <laughs> to prove a point no come but, on but but that's the point right yeah. is that you know it's it's all it's all exaggerated metaphor that's what movies are right and mm-hmm. and so you know they're, they're basically replacing a man with the fucking alien who essentially rapes ripley right yep. and, and impregnates her and and the movie's trying to say like Ripley can't even get a fucking abortion for a goddamn alien monster <laughs> inside of her, you know. So so yeah. like the fact that that can't even happen, you know, it's supposed to make you reflect on the fact that like women can't even get this for abortions that are or for for babies that are are actually like deadly for their health, you know, like yep. that have complications. Even that's not fucking legal according to you know some republicans and so it's not your fucking business it's our fucking body we should get to do with it what we want look if If i'm gonna scoop it out i'm gonna scoop it if ben got if ben got pregnant there would be a fucking planned parenthood on every goddamn corner they'd be like starbucks you would be able to get like you'd be able to get abortion pills at the 7-eleven counter right exactly like you could you would be able to get them everywhere right like you could be as slutty as you want to be yeah it's it's just fucking ridiculous but but anyway so that that's the whole point with it all right and 
And and so like you know this is another thing that I get why people don't like it hmm. in terms of story you know for fans of Alien I mean yeah it really fucking sucks It's like the heaviest to, messaging Well well it's heavy messaging but just focusing on the story like it really fucking sucks to see Ripley die Yeah it really sucks to see Ripley die especially after all she's been through but uh, but again that's just the point you're supposed to be mad yeah. you're supposed to be frustrated you're supposed to be really fucking angry you know, I mean, for God's sakes, the movie is set on Fury 161. <laughs> like, this movie is supposed to make you fucking angry as hell at the themes running through it. You know, I mean, quickly going back to the uh, to the AIDS thing, running through the queer community. You know, there's that line where Ripley says, you know, first it was uh, my crew that was expendable. Then it was Marines that are expendable. What the fuck makes you think they're going to give a shit about any of you or your friends? You know, that touches directly to the queer community and the way that the government treated it with AIDS, where they were basically just like, eh, you're on your own. You know, it's yep. it's a it's until, a gay person's disease, and so we don't care. Until people started getting it. Exactly, you know? So it's just like, there's so much in this movie that's supposed to make you go, fuck! Like, you're supposed, <laughs> you're supposed to be mad, you know? And so, so I think that in that sense, like, Fincher just fucking nails it you know like this movie does so much that works (laughs) yeah this movie for me really points out just like you can have the strongest badass motherfucking awesome person and if you have a society that continuously beats down on them they're gonna throw themselves into a lake of fire and they're just done with your shit they're over (laughs) it Fuck you, Lance Hendrickson, and you lying robot. Yeah, I mean, God, like, you know, a good portion of our population has to feel like Ripley right now, where we're just like, fuck it, man. I don't know. I'm about, like, one step away from being like, I'm jumping in that fucking fire. Look, if I could find that fire pit, I might jump in that fire pit. (laughs) And and another thing, too, you know, we we haven't talked too much about, like, how the studio really, really fucked over this movie with the theatrical cut, which I imagine was mostly just to cut it down, because I think the assembly cut's, like, two and a half hours. And it's like every movie nowadays. I know. It's just <laughs> another example of the studio was full of morons. But they but you know, but I think the theatrical release was like just under two hours. And so anyway, the student I mean, if you watch this assembly cut, and, and Chris and I got to watch them back to back for this, which really kind of opens your eyes to it. Yep. You know, there's so much that they fucked over with it. And one of the things that I'm so upset that they cut, and I really don't understand why, is in the moment right before Ripley jumps. She looks right at Lance Henriksen and says, you're crazy, and then and then jumps. And I just kind of love that as like a final, like, fuck you moment, you know? Like, <laughs> How do you feel about the fact that there's not a chest burster in the assembly cut, though? Oh, great decision. I, I you know, Do you think the chest burster weakens it? Yes, you know, I really do, because when you have... When you have the chestburster come out the way that it does in the theatrical version, I think that undercuts a little bit of kind of what the message was, you know, where mm-hmm. it's like Ripley is making the choice to to abort this baby, essentially. And not and, be a mom. And not be a mom. And I mean, look, you know, with the chestburster coming out, I mean, yeah, she still kills it. But I, I think it she weakens it. She cradles it. it but she cradles it, right? She yeah. cradles it like she, well, I mean, I don't know. that. That's kind of weirdly powerful in a sense because it's sort of, you know. We died together. No, it's it's touching on the idea of like a woman still loves a baby even if she's getting rid of it, right? It's not Mm -hmm. an easy decision, as we said. Um, But I I do just think that it weakens a little bit because I think that the point is supposed to be Ripley is supposed to do this before the baby's born. I think that that, I think that personally is a stronger kind of message on it. I'm not going to say that the chestburster coming out isn't a really cool image. It's still really cool, yeah. <laughs> like, it's still really cool in that sense. Um, 
But no, the assembly cut just it puts so much more drama on that moment. Like Ripley takes a, a few more seconds to think about it. You can really see it working in her head mm-hmm. before she jumps. And I mean, you just see stuff like that all throughout the assembly cut, where it's just like there's so much more meat on the bone for the movie. There's so much um, more powerful imagery and setup, and yeah. But but regardless, I love both. I I still think the theatrical cut is great, especially considering everything that this movie went through. <laughs> Uh, but so we do we have to start wrapping up unfortunately i could honestly rant about this movie for hours uh so who is your killer idiot of alien 3 i mean can i see the producers for fucking this movie <laughs> uh sure why not yes <laughs> i mean the joke answer is obviously 85 because you know he is the idiot of the film but yeah uh okay yeah, no, so, producers. so you say producers <laughs> fuck um, those guys I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say garlic. Who it's funny now that I look at my notes. Autocorrect turn it to garlic. Um, but <laughs> uh, but I, but I'm gonna say garlic because in the assembly cut again, he's the one who lets the alien out because he mm-hmm. thinks that it's supposed to go kill everybody and that's like their fate. And so just fuck you, garlic man. <laughs> I say fuck you, Morris, for letting him go. I mean, I mean, Morris made a terrible decision, sure, but yeah. garlic is still ultimately the one that. Does it? Yeah, that murders and, someone and then and release the murders someone in the process, yeah. yeah. Again, another epic moment cut from the assembly cut and uh, just, mm-hmm. or, or cut from, yeah, cut from the assembly cut and just fucking obnoxious. But anyway, uh, what about your killer death in Alien 3? Okay, I have and no- And there's so many good ones. <laughs> there's so many good ones, but my favorite, I have no idea which dude gets it. But there's a moment towards the end where they're playing that weird like cat and mouse game where they're trying to get the alien into the piston. And um, there's a moment where one of the guys is running towards the door and Dylan is like yelling at the door, like trying to encourage this guy to get there. Um, And the dude just doesn't make it. And you just get the blood splatter coming out of the doorway and just the legs shooting up. And it's like, I don't know, for some reason, I just really like that kill. It's so tragic. Um, it, and bloody. It's a good one. I, if I remember correctly, I believe that's Pete Possilwaite as, uh, well, I actually plays a character called Possilwaite, um, but, <laughs> or, or David, but I, but I believe that's him in that. Uh, yes, I agree. That was actually my second choice. I ended up going with Charles S. Dutton, though, because even though the kill itself isn't exactly great, mm-hmm. uh, I just, I fucking love you know, just this image of like this dude just fist fighting an alien. I mean, <laughs> right? like, like Charles, like Dutton is one of the most, is one of the biggest badasses in the entire alien franchise Yo. that he has the guts knowing he's going to die. Just be like, you know what? I'm going to go out punching this alien. <laughs> like, I'm going to punch this alien and hold it here so that we can both die in metal. Yeah. And he actually, you know, he, he hangs on for a second or two there, like yep. fighting this thing. And so I, I just think it's epic. I think it's really shitty for Ripley because yeah. it's just another instance of a man being like, ah, eh, you're on your own, you know, but it's, <laughs> uh, but, but I do really love that moment. But anyway, what about your killer MVP of Alien 3. Well, so originally, because I didn't know the history of all the different writers, it was going to go to the writer of this. So instead, I'm going to go with with Charles S. Dutton, because for me, what I really love about this movie is the epic speeches. Yeah, and, which combined again with Rosenthal's score, they're beautiful. Yeah, and, and Dylan has... S- just he has all of the best lines and the best speeches like not only when he's doing the the eulogy for for newton hicks and talking about 
oh, I fucking love that scene where he is talking about innocence and how death gives birth to new life mm-hmm. as the goddamn alien is shoving its way out of whichever animal carcass it's shoving its way out of. Wonderfully edited scene. It's yeah. so good. And so for me, like, it really goes to those speeches because that's what, for me, elevates all of this above the other alien films is yeah. that, like, really deep thread. Yeah. Do you want it on your feet or do you want it on your knees, Biggin? <laughs> I ain't much for begging. No one ever gave me nothing. <laughs> yes. Just so fucking great. I, no, he he gets so many of the best moments in the movie. Every line he has is is epic. It's hard to quote him because he has such like meaty dialogue, but it's yeah. oh, gives me chills. You know, for a moment he was my choice, but I ultimately went with Sigourney Weaver, which I I, I get is an easier choice to say, but. The reason I chose her is that I actually think that out of the first four movies, and I know that, you know, I'll have a lot of you disagree with me on this. I actually think that out of the first four movies, this is Sigourney's best performance. I agree. In the four of them. Now, granted, I don't I don't mean like her coolest performance. You know, that would obviously go to Aliens. Like, she's a total badass in Aliens. And we all love to get away from her, you bitch line, right? Yeah. But, but as a performer, I think that Weaver delivers her best performance in Alien 3. And, you know, because th- there is so much that she is going through and expressing emotionally in this film. You know, I mean, she she is grieving for Newton Hicks. She is slowly deteriorating. Again, a touch on the AIDS theme. She's slowly deteriorating from this, you know, alien pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 she is, you know, having to pull herself together. She is tough in this movie, but she's also vulnerable in the film you know like she she is going she just does so much that is powerful in sometimes very subtle ways Mm -hmm. that that i really do think is just her best performance you know and like she i mean you fucking you sob for her in the ending the first time seeing this if you really love ripley you know and that and that has a large part to do with Sigourney. So yeah, she does it amazing. This is Ripley dealing with the emotional trauma of the yeah. first two movies. Not not to mention, you know, considering how important, you know, considering how women generally feel about their hair, especially in 1992. Mm-hmm. You know, Ripley to even just shave her head is like huge. It's a big fucking deal. I mean, I know, and it's she's seen- still sexy as fuck. Except for when she has the creepy eye. I hate the creepy yeah. eye. It freaks me the fuck out. I mean, I can't look at her face. I mean, creepy eye aside, yeah, no, she still looks great. And, and which is why I love Lance Henriksen being like, you know, when she reboots and being like, oh, I like your new haircut. You know, yeah. I, I love I love seeing that like a man is I mean, he's Ori- a robot. But original robot. Bishop gets it. Bishop, too, can right. go suck an egg. I love that validation of like yeah. of like, yeah, a shave that on women looks fine. You know, get, it looks get, sexy as fuck. Get, get rid of this fucking idea that all women have to have like long, luxurious locks. Right. It's not true. So, no, I love that she did that. And, you know, it was, apparently she was very willing. She just said, yeah, if you pay more, if you pay me more money, I don't give a fuck. So. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> But no, so she's mine. So anyway, uh, every week on our Twitter, at Killer Critics, we always put up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it. So between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think the audience fell on Alien 3? <laughs> this is a tough one. I'm gonna... It's not. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to go with it's fine? Yeah, so it's fine took it. Okay. Uh, love it was 24.9%. It's fine was 54.3%. Don't like it was fourteen point five percent, and never seen it was six point four percent. I'm actually very happy with the results of this poll because I, th- I, I was expecting it was be more hate. I was expecting a lot more hate for it, you know. So to only to only have fourteen point five percent lean that way, which again, welcome to your opinions. I think it's totally fine if you don't like this movie. Yeah. Uh, but I do love it, and so to see that 
that that it was actually stronger kind of it's fine mm-hmm. at least makes me go maybe there is slowly more of a build the earth is kinda, healing the earth is healing <laughs> and maybe i have to slaughter less demons while standing on that hill <laughs> don't know? worry i'll just find another hill to go die on I have all kinds of them. He's like got so many. Like the howling is better than American Werewolf in London. Come fight me on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to hear the screaming. I've heard it so much. So, so, so no, I'm very happy with the poll results, but we always get comments from you all as well with these. So, uh, and these are all from Twitter. First up is at no underscore MJ. So that's K N O W underscore the letters M J. And they say it's not perfect, but there's so much to admire. Sigourney kills it like always. The music is fantastic. And I feel its ending was the only way Ripley would find any peace. I can honestly go on a lot. <laughs> uh, it's a sad truth. I agree that this ending is the only way that Ripley finds peace. And then the fourth one is just like, fuck you, Ripley. Um, I, it's one of the things I do like about doing this podcast is that it, it causes me to reexamine movies that I've had biases towards. Mm. Um, and so now I can firmly say that I do like this one. Yeah. Uh, no, so I completely agree, MJ. You know, it's uh, <laughs> I, I think it's certainly debatable on, on whether or not this was the only ending for Ripley. I mean, you know, you, you like I'm sure there are others out there that are like, no, we, I can imagine this, you know, but I agree. I do think that this was the ending that made sense for Ripley. Mm-hmm. You know, again, going back to the corporation thing and just kind of and There's the thema- no escape and, the, and just the thematics of it. You know, you don't get the same power with those thematics and there is no escape from Willow and Yutani, you know, so I do think it was kind of the ending that had to happen, mm-hmm. and which is why I also kind of think it's a, even though I kind of like her coming back in Alien Resurrection, I think it's kind of bullshit that she comes back in Resurrection because it's almost kind of like, you know, it's almost kind of like being, you know, trying to say like, oh, haha, you thought you made this decision where you got to have a choice and not fall in the hands of Whale and Yutani? Fuck you, Ripley, you know? like. I mean, let me tell it, you about being a woman. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, it just, it feels like that, it, right? Like, it continues it, the narrative we're talking about. Yeah, it, and it's really shitty. And it's then, gross. I mean, Alien Resurrection still tries to end with the happy ending with Sigourney, but it's like, Ugh. she does not have a happy future ahead of her. She's a fucking clone who's yeah. going to be hunted by Whale and Yutani. Like, there's no happiness there. Fuck. So so anyway, uh, thank you at no underscore MJ for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Shannon Morant. So that's S-H-A-N-N-O-N-M-O-R-A-N-T. And they say the first two are classics, but this movie is not a bad movie. If the studio just left David Fincher alone, this would have been a great movie. Matt loves you so much right now. He's glad. I do. I like James. <laughs> yeah, he's glad that he's not on this hill alone. Yeah. You guys are making him feel better about his hill. Yeah, well, well, I mean, there were there were comments hating on Alien Three as well. Uh, I'm not sure that I chose any of those, but come on, impartial. I know, I know, but next time. Um, <laughs> listen, there's not enough love for Alien Three. I wanted to get the love out for it, right? Love only. Uh, but no, James, I agree. You know, it I, the studio should have. I. I it makes sense that the studio was kind of on for just case because again, you know, he, he's a he, it's his first feature, right? So they're going to be on him a little bit. Mm-hmm. But this is again why I always go back to don't fucking hire people if you're going to micromanage them like this. Yeah. You know, like you fucking hire a director because they have a vision or something that you appreciate or a style that you appreciate. Don't come in and fucking micromanage it. Yes, like, that defeats the whole point. You know, make sure they don't go over budget and that's it. Like, stop. Yeah. You know, don't be so fucking involved. So anyway. 
Uh, yeah, no, it could have been much better if they just let Fincher do what he wants again, which is why I say watch the assembly cut, which is much closer to the vision he had. Uh, so thank you at Shannon Ram for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at bead germines. That's B E D E J E R M Y N. And, uh, B does a bunch of podcasts with our friend Marcy. You should check, follow him and check them out. But he says, despite what fans and David Fincher think, uh, cause David, I, I'm interjecting here because Fincher actually really fucking hates this movie. And <laughs> I'm sure he just hates I, his experience on it. Fincher, you know, so so the L.A. riots were happening uh, during the editing process of the film, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure Fincher is on record saying that he was hoping that the riots would make their way to the building that the film was being stored in so that it would burn down with the movie. <laughs> He really hates Alien 3. He was just a little tired. <laughs> I'm going to speak for him now. He was just a little tired. Yeah, no, he he, he is flat out referred to uh, to the studio like holding him hostage and and him being in like the fucking ninth circle of hell with this movie. So. Well, it shows. <laughs> it definitely shows. Um, a lot of that anger comes through in the films. Yeah, we appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Sabine goes on to say, I think that Alien 3 is a terrific sequel that I've been a huge fan of since I was young. It's dark, scary, depressing, brave, totally agree, Bede, emotional, and, in my opinion, the logical way to wrap up Ripley's arc in these first three films of the franchise. That being said, as I do love the theatrical cut, the assembly cut version of the film is definitely superior in every way. As much as I do love Alien and Aliens as they are better films, Alien 3 has always been my personal favorite. I, I am coming around to your mind frame. Like... I definitely agree that this is a movie that, if you don't like it, deserves a rewatch and a re-examine because there are so yeah, there's so many good qualities, and then there's one bad one. But I've now decided that it's my favorite scene, and that's when we get the super CGI alien chomping on a dude, and there's absolutely no sound, and it doesn't make any sense. That's not true. You just have bad hearing. There is sound. (laughs) There's no sound in that. There is sound. I was watching with you the moment you said that. That there was no sound. There was. You just have bad ears and you know you have bad ears. <laughs> What's the sound? Uh, chewing. Anyway, so. <laughs> uh, but no, completely agreed, Bede. And I also, you know, I love that you mentioned that it's brave. It is a very brave sequel. Yes. And, and, that, it, and that it's your favorite despite, you know, Alien and Aliens being quote unquote better movies. Uh, which I think is, you know, a good, honest opinion and something that we don't really do enough as as fans, I think in being willing to admit of like yeah alien and aliens you know this is just an example but of yeah alien and aliens are better movies but i prefer alien 3 yeah you know like we we should be able to do that more and not have to you know get the response back of like how dare you say alien 3 is better than (laughs) alien and aliens those movies are amazing it's like yes i know but these movies all hit us in different personal ways and Alien 3 has a lot of thematics and stuff going on in it that's very different from the first two movies. Exactly. So it might not be as quote-unquote good, but it's still it hit, if it hits you personally in a way that impacts you more than the first two movies, it's perfectly acceptable to be your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> every horror film needs to be somebody's favorite. Exactly. And every horror film is somebody's favorite. And mm-hmm. I think people should always remember that. No matter how much you hate a movie... It's someone else's favorite movie or at least favorite film in that franchise. So, and that's awesome for them. Exactly. So, just always remember that when you're th- <laughs> when you're trying to shit on these things. You know, a horror PSA. There, there are people that love that thing, so, and that and that's great. And that should be the way that it is. But anyway, thank you at Bead Your Mind for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up was a comment from at Wendy Jessica. So that's Wendy J E S I K A. And they say the movie itself is fine, but there are so many gems in the cast. 
So I just wanted to bring up this comment really quick because, you know, yeah, I, I mean, we kind of said it earlier on, but I just wanted to clarify again. This cast is fucking awesome. Yes. Sigourney Weaver, Charles S. Dutton, Charles Dance. You know, like these are fucking great actors who give amazing performances in this movie. Yeah, even everybody else, like I don't I don't know all the actors' names, but all of the brothers in this are charming in their own way. They all mm. have their their little moments, right. their these little are fucking, habits. These are fucking murderers and rapists of women, and they're charming enough that you actually like some of them. Yes. <laughs> you know, like these are great char- great performers mm-hmm. and good characters, well written characters, you know. Everybody so, showed up to this terrible set and did their best. Right, exactly. So that you know, this isn't the the one liner epic that is Aliens, right? And then mm-hmm. Aliens does have some of the best one liners <laughs> of all time. Uh, but these are fucking really well written characters. They're mm-hmm. great characters, you know. So so I just wanted to mention that because I just yeah, I completely agree with Wendy Jessica. So anyway, thank you at Wendy Jessica for the comment. Appreciate it. And last up was a comment from Call Me Amy Doll. So that's Call Me A M I E Doll. And they say, my favorite of the mainline Alien series. So just another comment I wanted to throw in there to show people, Alien 3 <laughs> is someone's favorite Alien movie, and you should respect that. <laughs> you know? I, just, I just want people to know that Alien 3 is a great film, and there are people that think that, and there are people that consider this their favorite. <laughs> And I will die on the hill. I will argue about You're this You're not movie. alone on this hill. I think you proved it with the comments. Because you only took comments from people who are also on the hill with you. And I did that because I will continue to fight for this movie alongside every other person willing to fight for Alien 3 until the goddamn day that I die. I mean, I'll you didn't on, fight anybody, though. Put, you I'll just put, brought like-minded people into I'll the put, comments. I'll put it on my fucking tombstone. You know, Matt, 1987 to whatever year I die. And then, you know, the epitaph will be Loved Alien 3. <laughs> like, I'm going to put it on my fucking grave. <laughs> no, I'm going to make your gravestone just like hills for Matt to die on. Howling Alien 3. Just be a list of horror that, films. That's fine. I actually, I'm, I'm legitimately serious. I actually think it's a great idea to put all the movies that I fought for on my gravestone. <laughs> I, would I, love I like the idea of movies that I died for. <laughs> yeah, I would love for that to be the case. Uh, but anyway, so thank you at Call Me Amy Doll for the comment. Appreciate it. And I'm glad that this is your favorite alien movies. <laughs> we now figured out a tombstone uh, for Matt for, from this. Exactly. So anyway, uh, so as far as releases go this week, one last thing here, uh, not really much I wanted to mention other than season four of Stranger Things will be on Netflix this Friday the 27th. Uh, it's going to be epic. Uh, these episodes are very long. I think the season finale is like two and a half hours. Oh, so fuck. <laughs> uh, so that, that, that's exciting. I'm looking forward to the weekend because that's going to be like my whole weekend, hopefully, <laughs> as long as Chris joins me for it. So. <laughs> Uh, other than that, that's going to do it for us on Alien 3. I hope you enjoyed. I hope that some of you maybe who don't like this movie have come around at least a little bit to appreciate it more. You, th- you still don't have to love it. I just hope that you maybe look at it in a little bit different light by the end of this. Uh Next week, we are going to be talking about <laughs> The Howling 3. And I am just going to take this opportunity to say... If you're upset about that, then you should have voted for the werewolf theme because it's my birthday month. I was going to talk about werewolves somehow, some way. And so it's your fault if you don't, if you hate that we're going to talk about Alien 3 because I was going to take about. So it's your fault if, we, if you're angry that we're talking about Halloween 3 because I was going to talk about a fucking werewolf movie this month and we chose three equals and this is the only goddamn third 
a werewolf I, movie in a franchise that's actually a number three. I love the <laughs> fact that this month is all about movies you've been dying to talk about, but we haven't. You finally got to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street. Fuck finally yeah. get to do Howling. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Alien 3, fuck yeah. No, this, this did, you're right, this did become a month of me being like, we're, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about these movies finally. <laughs> Happy birthday to Maddie. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. Um. So anyway, so Howling Three is streaming on Tubi, so you can subject yourself to it there. <laughs> I'm not going to call it a great movie. I like it. I am a fan of the Howling franchise, but I'm not going to hold it against anybody who doesn't like those movies. <laughs> <laughs> but so check it out there. Do your homework there. But that's our topic for next week. Other than that, I'm Matt and I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night. Horror fans. <laughs>